through mid arm for four. Jeffrey Bolt, 100 hundreds, the place to get it here on his home ground at Hedrick. Hi, I'm Richard Pirate and this is a Covers Off podcast from Yorkshire County Cricket Club in association with AMT Auto. Find the latest deals at amtauto.co.uk and then follow them on Twitter and Instagram at amtautouk. Right, let's introduce today's guest. He, he actually says when, when times are tough, he says, the good Lord's testing you. And that's one of his phrases that he's said to, to me a few times uh, over the years. But today's guest is a former Yorkshire batsman and coach. Uh, he's now head of coach and play development at Worcester. Uh, I think he gave himself that title, but we'll ask him about that. Played over 400 professional games, uh, scoring over 15,000 professional runs with 1,700s. And he coached Worcester to their first T20 title in 2000. 2018 and he's uh, a good friend of mine and uh, a mentor as well so Kev welcome to the podcast it's great to have you on. Good evening gentlemen it's lovely to see your smiling faces uh, always nice to catch up with fellow Yorkies looking Definitely. forward to some banter and some perhaps some serious chat as well. Well, Kevin, we were, spent, we were supposed to start 45 minutes ago, but you're not the best on the technology, are you? Well, I got used to red telephone boxes at the corner of the street. And, uh, you know, that's what I grew up with. But, you know, you've had to learn over these days to press a few buttons on these iPads and laptops. And, you know, I'm still probably fairly average. We're, we're on now, though, aren't we? We're on. So what what you been up to, Kev? Are you, are you back in training at the minute or are you still self-isolating now you're over 60-year-old? <laughs> well, the one thing I will do is I'll get my jab before most people. <laughs> uh, but I haven't heard anything yet. Uh, no, I think I think it'd be fair to say that all of us in elite sport would con- consider ourselves very lucky at the moment to be able to practice at this time. I mean, we have a facility at Malvern College that we use, uh, have done for many years now at Worcester. And, you know, the school has pretty much closed down apart from key worker kids and overseas students. So they've pretty much allowed us the hot sports all purely for our use. And we, we feel very grateful and and happy about that, you know, and we've we, we, we've got a situation where the pros can practice and the academy that obviously comes under the elite sport banner. So, you know, for all those out there in the recreational game, let's hope that you guys can get back as soon as possible. Definitely, Kev. Well said, I reckon. Um, so let's uh, let, let's start off with a bit of your journey then, Kev. So me and you go way back. You was uh, the professional at my local Creek club, Osset, uh, which when I first met you, I must have been... You know, 10, 11, probably around that age. Uh, and you were uh, old banning a few people in league then. Um, <laughs> and then uh, you ended up being my Yorkshire coach as well, uh, from about 16-year-old through to, to early 20s. Um, so just uh, give us a bit of a, a, a rundown of how you started your career and how you got playing for Yorkshire. Well, my dad was a local cricketer then in the Leeds League. I mean, there isn't a Leeds League anymore, but he played for Woodhouse there. And um, I used to go spend many hours down there. They had a little practice area, little concrete strip. And I spent hours on that. I can remember having, you know, like all little kids, pair of pads on that are miles too big for you. And uh, just playing cricket. I remember my dad firing tennis balls at me with a tennis racket, trying to knock me head off. And uh, I played a club game for, for Woodhouse against Leeds Police as an 11-year-old, um, a Woodhouse second team game. And I batted for about two hours for 10 and lost us the game. But, you know, it didn't matter. You know, I got some nice feedback from that. So, um, you know, my dad was a cricketer and it was in the family. So, uh, you know, I, it, I would, as I, apart from football as well, of course, and our, our great Leeds United, Rich, you know, yeah. great love of both. But Pato's shaking his head. Why is he shaking his head, Rich? What's the matter? I've got my Leeds top on it. He just supports whoever's top at Leeds, Pato, so. <laughs> it won't be Leeds for a long time. <laughs> but no, I think that, you know, Rich, uh, Pato, I mean, I, I was kind of, I suppose, fast-tracked, really. I was always playing in older teams, 
you know, I can remember playing for Yorkshire under 19s when I was 14 oh, on a on a Midlands tour. Yeah, so I was I was kind of fast tracked in playing for Yorkshire under 15s. I think I played one game as a 13, certainly a couple of games as a 14 year old, and you know, captain Yorkshire under 15s at that level, and so. You know, I mean, I, I played my, my first... I, I think what happened, from what I recall, is that Mike Fernley was was actually um, Doug's assistant coach at Yorkshire at the time. And Mike, Mike took me to Farsley Cricket Club, not Farsley, Bingley Cricket Club initially as a 15-year-old, where I opened the batting. And, you know, that was an unbelievable experience, playing in the Bradford League at that age. And yeah. did okay. And, and, you know, Mike obviously spoke with Doug. And I was offered a contract, you know, pretty much around my 16th birthday full-time and started. Then I, I went back into school at Abbey Grange for three weeks prior to it, into the sixth form. But having had three economics lessons and not understood a word of it, um, <laughs> I, I left. And I did, Sounds about right. I, yeah, it, I didn't. I said to my mate next to me, I said, we've had three economics lessons. I said, do you understand what we're talking about? He said, he said no, yes. I said, well, I don't. He says, well, you're probably best <laughs> off going home then. So I, 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 well, I told my dad, I said, I don't think I can do this at school. And um, what he did, through a mate of his, he had a building business and uh, I went and worked as a plasterer's labourer for six months before I became a professional. And it was the best thing I ever did because it, I was carrying these plaster bags, mixing sand and cement, and it helped my strength, my conditioning, really. It got me a bit fitter and a bit stronger. So yeah. then I, I started as a 16-year-old. And I, I mean, I was, I believe, at the end of that year, I, I played, I made my first team debut at 16 year old as I think then the third youngest ever player to play for Yorkshire at that point wow. I think behind Brian Close and, and Doug Padgett I think that's right and, and obviously there's been a few since then I mean um, I was reading an article about Barney Gibson the other day yeah yeah 15 uh, year old you know, you know he, he played at 14, didn't he? As, as kept wicket against Durham University. Yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, there's been Brezzi and Paul Jarvis and, and, and others since then. But, um, you know, I was pretty much fast tracked and, and playing, you know, high level cricket at a young age. So it all happened yeah. very fast, really. Yeah. And I'm, I've spoken to you about this, I know, before, Kev, but. You, uh, your name was uh, put in lights by the uh, innings you played for uh, England in the 19s, was it? Um, it was at Worcester, yeah. Worcester, yeah. Did you get two big, a big double hundred there? Against, yeah, I got uh, I got 260 not out. If I hadn't declared, I'd still be batting now, Rich. Because <laughs> they would never have got me out that day. I got the bit between my teeth. So we had a, we'd had a situation where Bruce French was batting at the other end to me and he got hit on the head and he got knocked out a bit and he got taken off and they were laughing they were laughing about it all these West Indians and it, it wound me up and I thought right I'm going to take you a lot down here and, and he um, we got to tea on the third day and it was the game was drawn it was either just batting on or having a bowl at him and Graham Dilly was in that team and Dill wanted to um, let him have it for an hour which he did it was quite entertaining to be honest so yes memories it's ironic that that was at Worcester as well yeah. What was yeah. it like, Kev? Do you know when obviously being such a young lad coming into the Yorkshire side, it's a very different era of first class cricket to what we play in now. What was it like playing in that Yorkshire side at that age? Tough and challenging. I mean, I, I don't know if I ever said this to you, but I, you know what happened the first day I walked in the dressing room at Headingley as that 16 year old, uh, the old dressing rooms. I um, This will tell you how tough it was. I walked in and I walked straight into a fella called Jeff Boycott who said to me, um, oh, I says, um, what's your name? I said, oh, it's Kevin, Kevin Sharp. He says, oh, I says, uh, where do you live? I says, oh, just at Meanwood up, up, up the road. Um, that's only three miles from here. He said, oh, I says, have you got here this morning? I says, I came on the bus. He says, right, he says, right. He says, just put your bag in that corner. Go get back on that bus. Go home and put some decent clothes on because what you're wearing is abysmal. And I had, um, <laughs> I had, a, pair of, I had a pair of jeans on and a T-shirt. And he said, you don't come in here dressed like that. So that was that. So I went home and my mum's in the kitchen and she said, what are you doing? I said, well, I've been sent home to put some different clothes on. So anyway, I got back, I got changed and I put a, a nice jacket on and a shirt, open neck shirt and a pair of trousers and nice shoes and everything. Got back on the bus and it was nearly lunchtime when I got back. So I missed all morning session. Boyks had just had his knock. He was interested. He looked at me and said, uh, that's better. He said, um, Jeff Boycott, pleased to meet you. <laughs> So that was my introduction, and then 
And then uh, during that week, John Hampshire asked me if I could catch. So I said, yeah, I can catch. He said, go stand over there. You remember the old slip cradles where it used to, they dip in the middle? Well, he had me on this for about 10 minutes and my hands were starting to get really bruised and sore. So I said, I think that's enough for me. My hands are bruised. He said, do you want to play professional cricket? I said, yes. Yeah. He says, well, stay there till I tell you to stop. And about 40 minutes later, my hands were bleeding. There were blood out to the blood coming through my hands. So that was another day. And then on final day, I said something cheeky to David Bairstow. And he pinned me up and hung me on a peg. <laughs> at corner dressing. So that was my first week as a Yorkshire cricketer. So I, I learned, I think you had to learn quite quick that, you know, don't step out of line and do as you're told. You had to get shaved every day. And of course, yeah. we had to wear blazers for lunch at, at cricket match, even if it was 30 degrees outside. So it was very disciplined, you know. And, and you know, I mean, you um, you didn't want to be disrespectful to some of these fellas, otherwise you got your, your, your ears clipped. But I think I was quite, you know, I was quite... At that age, I was very confident and I'd had a lot of self-belief. And, you know, I felt I belonged there. I didn't feel... As though it was, um, I shouldn't be there. I mean, I can remember that year when I made my debut at Scarborough. I mean, cricketers weren't really my heroes. Footballers were. Spray Creaney, Cooper, Bremner, Charlton, Hunter, Laurie McClark, Jones, Giles and Gray, substitute <laughs> mainly because there was only one, there was only one uh, substitute in those days. So those were my heroes. Not really Jeffrey Boycott or Jam John Hampshire or Chris Old or Jeff Cope. And, you know, I, I grew into relationships with those guys because yeah. I, I mean, and, and so, you know, I, I never actually felt probably overwhelmed by it when I look back. I mean, my issues came a bit later when I got a little bit older and lost a bit of confidence, which is another story. But, you know, um, but initially in the early days, nothing had ever gone wrong for me. It had been a, a natural progression from doing well as a kid, pretty much right the way through into Yorkshire second 11 and through into first team cricket. So I didn't really have any any issues that have affected my performance. That came a bit later as I got a bit older mm. and found out about other things in life. So Kev, obviously we know you had a very long career at Yorkshire, cap first team player, played over a couple, three, four hundred games. But we know as young lads, kind of when we met you, we know you more for your coaching than I suppose you're playing. And I guess what I'd like to know is kind of how did you get into coaching in the first place and uh, what what ended up bringing you back to Yorkshire? Well, it happened by accident going into coaching because I lost my job at Yorkshire at the end of the season, I think 1892, 93. And it came as a bit of a surprise actually I wasn't expecting it I uh, Yorkshire had the tradition then of having a, a a senior player as second 11 captain and I actually did that in my last year and it seemed to go quite well and I was kind of had a little bit of reassurance throughout this the season that that would continue and and then unfortunately just prior to the last second team game which was at Bradford Park Avenue I was informed that I didn't have a job anymore really at, you know in three days time and that came as a hell of a shock because I'd been in cricket since I left school. So mm. I, I didn't really, you know, I'd, I'd, I was married then, had two young children and suddenly I didn't have a job and it was an awful time. And the following week uh, at the end of the season, I was booked on my advance then. It's level three now, but it was advanced coaching course at the National Sports Centre at Lillyshaw in Shropshire. And I went down there. I was pretty much spaced out really because I, you know, I was really concerned about what, the future held because we didn't have like we've got now you know like you've got your, your PCA welfare officers and you know it's Woody with you guys we've got a girl called Lindsay Williams and these these people do a brilliant job and they help people prepare for the future well there was nothing like that in those days and and I was all over the place really and during that week I had a long conversation with Gordon Lord who was who was then doing some development work in Shropshire who'd finished playing for Worcester and Warwickshire and uh, Gordon managed to organise me some part-time co coaching down in Shropshire for the winter. And so I, I, that, I mean, I, and, and what it was a six-month contract, basically, and it involved in, like, coaching in primary schools, working with disabled cricketers, secondary schools, club level, something completely different to what, you know, I mean, coming out of the professional game into that was one hell of a baptism. And, I, you know, I can re recall... In the second week of my job, I got asked to, to, to go run a coaching session for the Shropshire Disabled Coaching Association, who had eight teams in an indoor league. And I turned up in, into this massive sports hall in Shrewsbury with 80 disabled cricketers. And I didn't know what to do. And, you know, the guy who ran the show basically said to me, look, just run it like you would run a level one coaching course, you know, like with a bit of a warm up and a, a main theme and a bit of, you know, quick cricket at the end, a game and that sort of thing. 
And so that's that. It happened by accident. It didn't. It wasn't planned. It all happened very quickly, and within sort of three or four weeks of losing my job as a professional cricketer, I became a, a, a development coach in Shropshire, working for the local authority, which which Lordy fixed fixed me up with. And you know, I'm very grateful to him, and many coaches are for what they've what he's done for yeah. the England and Wales cricket boarding coach education for, for, for many, many years. So and I and I was there for six months and that I developed into the Wirral and I did some coaching with the England women's team and you know coached the Shropshire youth teams and I was there in the end that after all that I got offered a three year contract. So there I was in Shropshire, lived there then for eight, nine years before I got the university job before I came back to Yorkshire. So you, after Shropshire, you, you uh, did the Leeds Bradford University team, didn't you, Kev? Yeah, uh, basically what happened was that I was working in Shropshire as the ECB had come on board then and there were development officers growing throughout the county and I was very much a hands-on coach in the role I had before. And it, it looked to me as though it was becoming a l- little bit more administrational as well, some of those roles. So I was quite keen to, to stay in full-time coaching. And that's when the university jobs came up. You know, Durham and Loughborough are already established established as cricketing universities obviously Oxford and Cambridge and then the two new boys on the block were Leeds Bradford and Cardiff I applied for the Loughborough job and the Leeds Bradford job Graham Dilly got the Loughborough job and I was appointed at Bradford Leeds so I mean my wife Jan was very supportive and she said let's go let's go back let's go to Yorkshire and I'll I'll find myself a job so I came and did that the the uni job for a couple of years and during that time that's when I started working with one or two of the Yorkshire players primary Anthony McGrath who I met by accident really and he came to watch uh, one of our uni games against an Australian touring team and Mags had an Aussie mate who was playing so Mags came to see him and Subsequently, we got chatting, and Mags asked if we could get together and maybe do a bit of one-to-one work, and that's that's that that happened. And within a few months, I was employed by Yorkshire. <laughs> Brilliant. Is is that, is that around the time that we won the CNG uh, One Day competition? I think did Mags hit the winning runs? That's I, right. I, I remember the Mags telling the story that he, he he dedicated that win to you, didn't he? Because you did a lot of technical work with him. He was in a bit of a, a tough place, but then he went and hit the winning runs in a in a cup final. It was very special what happened because he had been coming quite a bit that summer, and for some, you know, we we talked a lot. We we looked at videos. We did some technical work with him and. Uh, yes, uh, I think Yorkshire had won the championship the year before in the year 2000. Then that year, when I was working with Mags, we got to the CNG Cup final at Lords against Somerset. And Magsy gave me his four tickets for the Cup final. He says, I just want to give you these as a thank you for helping me out. And, and he, he then subsequently went and bought tickets for his family and friends. Brilliant. So I, um, you know, went with Jan and my mate Nick Davis, who you'll know, and his, yep. and his wife. We went pretty much for the weekend. We booked a hotel in London and went down for the for the Cup final and stayed overnight in London. And Magsy obviously knocked the rooms off with Matthew Elliott, who made, a, I, think, I think Matthew might have made 100 in that final. Yep, Magsy made 60, 60 odd not out. And, and the special part about it was that, you know, Yorkshire knocked him off. We'd had a few beers in the old round stand there. And uh, <laughs> within two minutes of the game finishing, I got a text from Mags, who just obviously walked straight in the dressing room and picked his phone up. And he just said, I just want to say, without you, this wouldn't have happened. Thank you. And it was like, I was in tears. It was like, you know, you got the emotion of not just the lovely day. We were sat with all the Yorkshire supporters and members. But to get a message like that, from a lad is that, and I thought to myself, you know, when you when you start asking yourselves why you coach, I mean, there's one of the, you know, there's one of there's one of the reasons that why you do it. Yeah, exactly. You know, if you, it's very difficult. I mean, I think there's a big difference. You know, finish. It's, 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 I think it's quite difficult. You guy, you will know this sort of rich, but actually, when you finish playing, it can be quite a difficult transition because you don't get the buzz of that hitting that boundary or taking that catch or taking that wicket. And you have to replace it with something. And, you know, coaching for me in the end has finished out. Uh, I get a great buzz from seeing the lads you work with do well. Massive yeah, buzz from it. And after that summer, Kev, I think if you remember, I just started at Leeds Bradford Uni and we kind of, I suppose, crossed paths very quickly, didn't we? Because just as I started uni, you went off and took the job as Yorkshire first team coach. So I guess what I'd like to know is that was your, I suppose, your first reintroduction back into the professional game after leaving Yorkshire a number of years before. 
What was it like getting the opportunity and how did you find it coming back to the club? God, it was one of the hardest things I've ever done that first year. <laughs> it should, I suppose when we look back, it shouldn't have happened really. And the, the reason for that is that I'd been in out of the first class game for eight years. You know, I'd been working in development and then I did the, the Bradford Leeds Uni job and then I was appointed at Yorkshire as batting coach. That's what happened. I wasn't appointed as lead coach or head coach. I was appointed as batting coach in the, and I started on the 1st of February. And by the start of March, the club had released Wayne Clark, who was head coach, because I'd been to see Wayne at the end of the previous season, because Mags really championed my cause about coming back to the club as being a coach, and he'd spoken to Wayne. I'd gone in and spoken to Wayne, asked me to go in one day when there was a game on another chat with him, and he said to me, would you like to come back and work for the club? I said, yeah. I would. Yes, I would. And so I was appointed on the 1st of Feb and of course Colin Graves had come in then and Jeff Cope had taken like a director of cricket rollover. And then within a few weeks of me starting, the club released Wayne Clark. And then I was kind of asked to, if I would take on the role as the first team coach, you know, you know, I mean, I, what do you say? Well, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, without probably in hindsight, it, it was such a challenge because, I mean, I'd, I'd been out the game eight years, so that was a challenge in itself. And of course, during, in that team, we've got some unbelievable characters. Uh, six or seven guys who play test cricket, you know, and, it, and, and, you know, I'd been working with children and, 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 you know, the university kids. So I had very little experience of working in that level, uh, that level. I got massively challenged in that year. And I felt sick at times with concern and worry. And I, I, I have to admit, I felt a little bit out of my depth at times with that. Yeah. I, wasn't quite, I, I wasn't quite ready for it. And I recall then eventually, I realised this. I actually realised it. And I said to, to Colin and Jeff, I said, look, I said, I, I'm not ready for this yet. I've been, I, I, I shouldn't, I, I, you know, I've done it. We've all done it with all good faith to do this, but I'm not quite ready for these responsibilities. I haven't got the experience yet to do this. And they understood that. And then I said, I need, to, I need to do what you employed me to do. I need to be a batting coach. That's what you employed me to do. Within four weeks of being employed, I was like first team coach. It was too much too soon. And that was fine. They, they, they realised that and they understood that. And that's when um, David Bias was appointed. Um, you know, after the, in, during the close season, David was appointed as like director of cricket or first team head coach. And I then slipped into the role as batting coach, which which what which which was what I meant to be doing, and I started to learn my trade from there, really. And um, you know, I don't want to make you big-headed, Kev, but you you turned into a brilliant batting coach, and a lot of the lads that have been around the club for the last 10, 15 years all speak very highly of you, and uh, I know a lot of them still speak to you now, and uh, if problems with the game, they'll they'll still speak to you. So that does lead nicely onto 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 my next question uh, on uh, on Rooty. You know, Rooty's. Uh, I know you've had a lot of pressure, but with with Rooty this last week leading up to the <laughs> test, but um, you know, you you worked close with with him from from a young age, didn't you? And you know, I've read a few things about it in the press of what you said, but. You just give us a bit of insight on what you know what Rooty was like from a young age and your first impressions of, of seeing him. Well, you've probably heard this story many times, but when I first met Joe at 12 year old, it was quite a remarkable experience, really. You know, he'd been put on a scholarship by the youth coaches, which meant really recognition that we've got a talented young player, a bit of free kit and all that sort of stuff, make him feel part of the club. So as club batting coach at that, stage I always sort of if we if we brought a young lad on scholarship I was I invited them to head in late to have a chat and do some work together and I'd invited Joe up one evening after school it'd be about five o'clock he was coming and I was working in the uh, in the net with with Mags prior to Joe's session doing a one-to-one -one, and it was quite a, an intensive you know new ball through head eye sort of stuff really challenging session and I, unbeknown to me, Joe had arrived early with his dad, Matthew, and he was watching from the balcony. I didn't know that. Anyway, the bottom line is when Mags left, I invited Joe into the office and just had a chat. And, you know, it was quite a... I recall it very vividly because he, he was like talking to an adult at 12 years old. So you got this little kid who's tiny, he's only four foot tall, little blonde head with a cheesy grin. And he's talking to you like he could have been 25 years old. Mm. He knew his strengths, he knew his weaknesses, he knew what he needed to work on. You know, and it was just like a very adult, as if you were talking to a professional cricketer. And I, I was a bit blown away by it, you know, and I thought, 
I can remember thinking very clearly that, well, if you can bat as well as you can talk, you're going to be pretty good. So anyway, we had this conversation. So I was a bit, I wanted, I wanted to get him down on the shop floor, really. So I said to him, well, right, we've got half an hour. Do you want to do some work together down on the, in the nets? He said, yeah, do. I said, okay, what do you want to do? And he kind of looked at me and he smiled and he looked straight in the eyes. You know, that was the thing. And he said, I want you to challenge me. And I said, what? What do you mean? He says, I want the same session that Anthony McGrath's just had. And I'm like, I said, what? <laughs> I says, well, I can't do that, mate. I'll hurt you. I said, you're only 12 years old. I said, if he on the head, I'll get sacked. And he said, he looked at me and he smiled and he nodded. He said, I'll said, be all right, you know. I said, you think so? He said, yeah. I says, I got my beans going, lads. I was like, mm. what, is, what have I got here? I've never seen all like this before, 12 years old. Yeah. So I said, right, go on then. Go get all your kit on and make sure you've got all your protective kit on, your helmet, your, your chest pad, your thigh guard, your box, everything. Make sure you've togged up, mate, because I'm coming for you. So he said, right, off he went. And then, of course, he came waddling in with big pads on, like, like that. <laughs> so I'd set it all up, and a three slips, gully short leg. I said, right, mate. I said, I'm going to tell you something now. All right, You've asked for this. I'm not going to be your friend for 15 minutes. Do you understand that? And he said, yeah, that's fine. So off we went. So I've got this new conquer, new joke, Rich. You know, I was good with a new joke, wasn't I? You know, a bit, you of, are, a bit yeah. of swing, you know, yeah. hit the same pattern. I always used to hit the same, didn't I? So... <laughs> <laughs> so I'm running and I've, he's left a couple and he's defended a couple and he's left a couple and, he defend, and I'm thinking God he's got a good technique because you know I think as a batting coach the one thing I'd always look for in a player is can they judge length what can you know how quickly do they see the ball how quickly do they judge length to know when to play back or forward yeah. and he did that straight away within six balls I knew he could play I thought mm. God this kid could play and then the little voice said you know that chimp that plays up now and the little chimp said he said go on he Pulling a bouncer, bouncing. And then the, the human voice said, no, you can't do that, Kevin. If you hit him on the head, you're going to get sacked. So voice said again, go on, let him have one, let him have one. So I did dinner and I, it was a beauty, actually. It followed him and it just clipped his grill, like just clipped his grill on the way through to keep. And he sort of rocked back and I followed through and I was in his face, you know, like I used to do. That's about right. And he looked at me and he said, to, he looked at me and he smiled and he nodded and he said, Oh, he said that was a good ball, wasn't it? <laughs> and I'm like, well, what is going on? And so straight away, you know, the thing, the bottom line of it with him, lads, is that right from day one, he wanted to be challenged. He wanted to, he was happy to be taken out of his comfort zone and be challenged. And that's one of the reasons why he is where he is now. 100%. Absolutely one of the reasons. I mean, I can remember one day in Barbados when he'd be about 17. You'd probably be on this tour, Rich. Yeah. Can remember... Three W's ground. I do, yeah. Three W's, right. So Joe's not playing. He'd be about 17, 18 then. And he said, right, Kev, he said, we've got 20 minutes. He's got all his kit on. I said, all right, come on then. What you got for me now? Because he'd drive his own sessions. Yeah. He'd always drive his own sessions. You know, that's the beauty about it. And so he took me into this old, you remember that little indoor school there? They were really dark. It got yeah. concrete floor and everything. Really sweaty. Oh, it's horrible. Yeah, it's dark. So he's got this. Field set again, three slips in a gully, short leg, new conquer. He says, right, he says, we're going to play test cricket for 20 minutes. And I'm thinking, right, okay, mate, let's go again. So off we went and promise you, I ran in, it was dark, it was miserable. So he said, I want you to hit me on the head. I hit him on the head four times, once on the badge, once in the grill, once in the neck, chest, box, everything. And all it, and I kept following through, you know, it were like giving him the glare. And I kept saying, all I said to him after every ball is, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you. And he just kept smiling and nodding at me and winking. <laughs> so after 20 minutes, we'd had this session. And I said to him, I said, well, I said, I've done what you asked me to do. I've hit you on the head. And he looked at me and he said, yeah, I know you did. He said, but you didn't get me out, did you? And so even when he gloved it, which it went down. Yeah. And I didn't get him out. And, it, you know, he was... a. Well, he was preparing himself for the next level. You know, that's what he was doing. He was he, he, he played test cricket there for twenty minutes, and believe yeah. you me, it was. It, I'm glad it wasn't me at the other end. Yeah, it's, it's remarkable that I've never come across. I mean, ability-wise, we've seen people with more ability. You know, Johnny Bairstow is a, a probably a natural, naturally better sportsman all around. But Root is his desire and the way. He, he trains at every session. I mean, he came back with us for a period this year and uh, around the T20. And I've never seen anyone work as hard in my life. And he's, you know, he's done all, you know, he's, he's coming up to 100 test matches and he still works as though he's 12 year old. 
and he still works as though he wants to be the best player in the world. And it's yeah. still good to have around. I mean, as a coach, you know, you, you just let him and go into sessions. He, he speaks to all the young lads and he's it, it's as good as I've ever seen by a, a country mile, his attitude like that. But, you know, you, 100 test matches, you know, you've, you've still got, if you've got the desire and you've got the ability to, to do a, to play 100 test matches is a great feat. So that must make you proud, Kev. Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, you know, what's really nice about Joe is that he keeps in touch as well. I mean, he did, a, I told you, you know, before we came on online here that he did a, um, I wrote a bit of a document in the summer about the difference between playing cricket and knowing how to play cricket. And I wanted to try and bring it to life. And I I, I, I just messaged Joe and I said, well, look, will you have a look at this for me? Because I've used you as a bit of a template. And I said, I want to sort of present this to our academy. Will you give me some feedback on it? And so he did. And I, I said, would you mind just having a bit of a chat, 20 minutes on it? And, you know, just on Zoom and we'll record it and I, I could let show this academy. And we did an hour, did it? And we did an hour and it was just awesome. And we, we presented this to our academy just before Christmas. They were blown away by some of his um, stories about how he grew up and some of the difficult times he had, when he, particularly when his growth spurt came at sort of that 16 to 19 sort of age. But, you know, so proud, yes. I mean, absolutely. You know, I, you know the bit about when we were when he was 14, when I playfully said to him, you won't forget me when you're playing for England, will you? And he said, no, of course I won't, as if it were going to be fair company, of course. And uh, I said, because you'll leave me two tickets on the gate at Lords, won't you? Uh, full hospitality, of course. <laughs> and he, he said, no, I won't forget you. I'll remember. And when he got picked for England that year, that summer, 2013, I think it was, I got a message from him saying, are you coming to Lords to fulfil our deal? And I turned him down for four years because I'd, I'd started at Worcester then uh, in 2013, mid first year. Yeah. And I just kind of said, I can't come, Joe. I've got this on, that on. So for four years, I turned him down. And then when little Alfie were born in the roundabout Christmas, just beginning of 2017, I sent him a message and I just congratulations. And, I, and he sent me a little picture of Alfie with a mini cricket bat. He's only a week old. And bottom line, are you coming to Lords this year? And I thought, you know what? I bloody am. I'm coming this year. It's about time we fulfil this deal. And the ironic part and the lovely part about it was that six weeks later, Alistair Cook retired from the captaincy and he was made captain. So that day we went for the first day at Lords was his first day as England captain. And we, John and I went on the train. We spent the whole day went on with Aggers test match special at lunchtime with with Matthew and Grandad Don and spoke about him as a kid. Yeah. And I spent the whole day with the family and we had an awesome day. And he made 180 and I got very drunk. <laughs> Every time he got 10 runs, I had another pint. Well, you get a bit emotional when you're drunk as well, Kev, don't you? So and I you do, I was like, this is, this is just a fantastic day. So, you know, absolutely. I mean, look, I mean, it's always nice. And I know we're talking about Joe, but it's like you said, I mean, the one thing that, I'm really feel very happy about is there's lots of lads who I've worked with who still keep, like you say, keep in touch. And when we play Yorkshire, I mean, the one thing I always want to do, whether it's first team or second team, is go out of my way to be there. Because I want to see everybody again, simple as. And, you know, and, and it, to, to have this sort of conversation, you know, it's eight years. I can't believe it. it's eight years at Worcester. Yeah. I've adored it here and it's been fantastic. I needed it because when I left Yorkshire, I kind of felt as though I got unfinished business. You know, you've got lads like, like you say, Joe, and I know there's, there's Gary Balance and there's Lydie and Gailey, all lads you're working with, Johnny. And, and I missed it. I missed yeah. it so much. You know, yourself uh, and, you know, two years later, I fortunately got offered a position at Worcester and I've been very fortunate and I've, uh, you know, to, to have been able to, you know, go back into the game and, and continue to work with some very good players. I think that leads quite well onto my next question for you, Kev, is that obviously we all know very well your relationship with Joe and kind of how that's developed over the years. But I think what people probably don't always realise is, I suppose you oversaw in a sense, a golden generation of young batters at the club, really, through those kind of late, early 2000s, 2010 period. Like you say, Johnny, Adam Live, Gary Balance all went on to play for England. Gailey had a very successful career. Alex Lees as a young lad had a successful career. Although you've been away from the club a long time, a lot of those lads are still playing and still being very successful now. How do you look back on that kind of period of time and, and the impact you had on such a, a talented group of young players? 
Oh, God, with great fondness. You know, I always think that for me, I thought my style of coaching is to build relationships, I think, and gain trust. And I think if you've got that, you can take it anywhere. You can have difficult conversations, if you like, quite comfortably when you when you've got that. And I know that I'd like to, you know, I, I know that with those lads you're talking about, there was that. You know, and you, it, that doesn't mean it's always easy. You're not always having conversations that are easy to hear. You know, sometimes you've got to give difficult feedback. But if you've got the trust and and the respect, I think is important from the player. Yeah. Then you can you can take it wherever wherever you want, really. And I think hopefully it's the same at Worcester. I've got some terrific relationships with these lads, and I think I'm you know very very fond of these lads. And it's been the same all through my career there. And you know, I mean, I shall still even when I'm an old man, I'll still come and watch. Would you leave a ticket on the gate at Edinley for me and let me come in? <laughs> well, that's perhaps I'll be chief executive club by then. So well, he's always, had, he's always had plenty of skills as um, he's always had plenty of skills as Prato. That's what he? It, that's what he told our chief exec. He says I'll have your job at some point, so don't worry about that. Well, he's always <laughs> been up front, hasn't he? He's, he's, he's always sort of you know he doesn't beat around the bush, does our Steve? Doesn't he? No, he doesn't. You don't. But just on a serious note, Kevin, you, your relationships as a coach are your are your strong point, and it's something that I've taken into my coaching. You know, you could be the best technical coach in the world, but if you if you haven't got relationships, then you, the the technical side is wasted. So it's something that I learned a lot from you. Is that? And just before we have, we've got a couple of, of funny stories, I we want to pick your brains about, Kev. But <laughs> just um, we 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 have a lot of young cricketers listening to this podcast and coaches as well. Just want to ask you. What advice would you give to any young batsman right now? Enjoy it. And I don't mean aha, laughing fun all the time. I mean that internal enjoyment because what can happen is that certainly when we go into the professional game, we can stop enjoying it if we're not careful. You know, yeah. when, we, when, we, when we're kids, we, why do we play the game? Because we have fun and we enjoy it. And I think it's important to try and still see it as a game, but also be prepared. Find someone you can trust, like you said, to work with. You know, and it's important that if you're working on something in your game, you've got to believe in it. You've got to believe it. If you and I were working together and I said, I think we need to move that bottom hand round a bit, Rich. You said to me a couple of times. <laughs> and you need to draw a line down the back of your back. So, <laughs> it's kind of like, you know, the, the worst thing is for the player to be thinking, well, I'll do it because he says so, but I don't really believe in it. Yeah. So it's kind of like, the player needs to to trust to believe for it for it to work. But I think it goes back to to if you want to be elite, then it's about putting those ten thousand hours in, isn't it? I mean, you know, yeah. you've got to you've got to put the hard yards in. I don't think there's a player who's 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 played the game who's been one of the most elite who hasn't worked the hardest. If you look at Joe and he's sweeping, for example, now he'd been practicing that since he was fourteen years old because when he was little, he didn't have the power to hit it down the ground, but what he did do was work on his square bat stuff, deflecting the fast bowlers and sweeping the slow bowlers. So he was actually practicing sweeping at 14-year-old because he needed to find a way of scoring. And so it's kind of like, yes, enjoy it and, you know, go for it. Have a goal, have a goal. A goal goals can be moved around a little bit. You might not, you know, they, I think goals need to be adjustable and perhaps have a, yes, if you might have an end goal, but really... Make sure you have some process goals and make practice. Um, when you when you when you go into practice, have a purpose behind it, not just going through the motions of doing so hitting a few balls. Have some real purpose in what you want to achieve, whether it's a technical session or it's a, a real pressure session against some bowlers. Good advice, Kev. Good advice. Good advice. Now look, Kev, it's a good time to get onto some uh, funny stories. Okay. It's interesting that Richard just said that you obviously pride yourself on these personal relationships, but I do remember a time where you put our personal relationship to a bit of a test, didn't you, down at Tunbridge Wells? Now, not Tunbridge Wells, sorry, at Beckenham. Did, now, yeah. you want to go through this story, or shall I? Which version do you want to hear? I'm, I'm easy. I want to hear Kev's You tell me what you want. Do you want to hear my story first? Yeah, you give us your re recollection bit... that week. Yeah, well, it's probably two different stories. You'll probably have your plan and I'll have mine, but... Um, I'm quite happy to to uh, let you know how I saw it, Stephen, on that particular day. We were playing Kent and we'd fielded most of the day and we batted for the last six overs of, so of the game, of the first day. 
And uh, Matthew Wood was opening the batting for Yorkshire, who was a bit out of form at the time, playing second eleven cricket. So we needed to try and get this lad back into some sort of form and hopefully Night Watchman to look after him a little bit in the last couple of overs. Why is Steve, why has he sat back now, Rich? He's, sat, he's, yeah. he's, he's gone off screen. So anyway, I believe, you know, Kent had a quite a strong attack out, I believe. Uh, Robbie Josephs was bowling uh, Tino Best, was he playing as well? I believe yeah, he was. Yeah. Talking about yeah, t- t- so we got about six overs to bat and um, Pato, you know, trustworthy night watchman, has got his pads on, ready to go. And uh, I believe, I can't remember the exact details, but we would have been maybe three overs away from closer play, something like that. And um, Pato's gone out there and, you know, difficult circumstances, I understand. I mean, two international West Indian bowlers bowling at him and he got it. Got whacked a couple of times. I think. I think you took a couple of blows, and and you know, and I thought, well done, Pato, stay in there, mate. You're doing a great job here. You're doing a, a flipping great job. And then we, from what I recall, and you'll have to tell me if I'm wrong, Stephen, but we got to the, you were facing the first ball of the last over, and I'm a little bit relieved for Matthew here because I'm thinking, oh well, that's great because Woody's still in and he's going to be there now tomorrow morning, and fingers crossed for him. And then. Um, must have been round about the second ball or something like that as a delivery that I think got you up here somewhere and went down to find legs somewhere and you set off sprinting down the other end. But <laughs> <laughs> Rich, you set off sprinting down and would have stood with his <laughs> would have stood with his back but on his back at the other end thinking I'm not going to face another ball. And Pat's all night watchman was meant to be looking after him. I set off sprinting down the other end. And I'm thinking, what's he doing? So Woody's had to run. Woody's run. He's, he's run through. And he's facing now. And there's about three balls left. Three or four balls left. I and mean, of course, what happens? Fifth ball, he's nicked it, caught behind. And he's out. And I'm I'm on balcony. And I, I was swearing. I, I was really swearing. I was really quite irate about the situation. And and then as, as Stephen walked up the... <laughs> The steps to come in through the patio doors. I believe I grabbed you by the throat and pulled you in, Stephen, and called you some names. I think Didn't it was I? the grill of my helmet, to be honest. I just was it? remember the helmet just yeah. bobbing back and forth like a pinball. <laughs> I pulled him in. I said, what, what are you doing, Stephen? What are you doing? What have you done? And anyway, the bottom line is then I, th- I think I threw a ball through the wall in the dressing room. Juicy was in there. So I threw a ball in the end through the wall and left and went to my car. And eventually Juicy came down and we got in the car and <laughs> I was like, <laughs> and he started, all right. And I said, anyway, we drove back to this hotel and we, we, had, we all had dinner that night. I think it was one of them TGI Friday places. And yeah, I think I, I stayed in the room, didn't I? No, well, I think you were at the other end at restaurant. And all lads, all lads were like, like this, everybody was on tender hooks, wondering what was going to happen next. And um, and I, I, I have to remember, recall that you know I didn't have an easy evening myself that evening, Steve. I thought, well, I wasn't pleased with myself for calling you some of the names that I called you. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good job we're on air because we can't really repeat it. But but then, so I can remember the next morning when we got in dressing, it was all quiet. All lads were silent, and I um I gathered all lads together in dressing room in a circle. And I apologise to you in front of the team for calling you those names. And then, I think, and, then, and then we had a bit of a hug and we got on with life. And fortunately for me, you didn't take too much offence to that where, where some, some players perhaps might have done. <laughs> the fact of what yeah. I said to you. But I did apologise to you in front of the team for calling you those names. Oh, absolutely. I think, uh... do, do you see it differently? Well, only slightly. There was some truth in there. <laughs> I'm there. Bearing in mind, this is what best part of 20 years ago. I was, I was yeah, a young lad. Woody's the first team. Woody's the first team cap player. He yes. seemed to get absolutely peppered. Yes. I'd got one on the. I got one on the wrist that went down to find like, and I genuinely believe I broke my wrist. Yeah. So I looked at Woody, kind of, I suppose, more in hope than anything else, and he started jogging through. I think he just felt sorry for me, to be honest. So yeah. we went through, and obviously nicked off, which was. A shame, and in hindsight, I've learned a few things from that. Yeah, but uh, I was kind of coming off the pitch thinking, you know what, I've put my body on the line, I could have possibly broke my wrist here, but yeah, you know what, I didn't get out, so surely won't be that disappointed. And then, as I say, when my head was bobbing back and forth <laughs> like a pinball, I thought, or yo yo, I thought, well, maybe I've seen it a bit differently, to be fair. But I think the good part about it was that the fact that Woody was out. 
if you remember, he drove me to the hospital the next morning to get an X-ray. And thankfully, somebody must yeah, have been looking down on me, but I didn't break my wrist, and I went out late that afternoon with some painkillers and got eighty, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> you did, did it well. It was perhaps Bessie got down the other end then, Stephen. But I tell you what, Kev, <laughs> for the amount of laughs and jokes we have about that story, twenty years on, I still night watch now in the first yeah. team for the lads. And I've never, ever forgotten that. And I've never, ever made that, I suppose, that mistake again. So, in a sense, it might not have been the way we wanted it to come across, <laughs> but I've never forgotten that lesson you taught me. Well, everything's done with good intention, Stephen. Everything's good in, with good intention. No malice. Say it as it is. Good trusting relationship that developed, certainly from there. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> And uh, I'm glad you're still talking to me. Yeah, of course. <laughs> of course. Right, really? Kev, we're um, we're gonna move we're gonna move on to uh, the covers off quick fire questions. Yes, Rich, you're not just Rich, just not want to uh, just quickly mention the little story from Tunbridge Wells with Kev. Oh, Tunbridge Wells, mate. We'll, we'll we'll go through it quickly. It's one of my one of my favourite stories of you, Kev. Actually, I think I was uh, I was down there uh, as twelfth man. With a quite quite a senior team, then you know Hoggy was playing, and like Vaughn, he might have been there as well. Mags, Woody, mm. so we're quite a tough, quite quite a tough dressing room. Um, and I think um, I think we lost poorly, and you weren't too pleased. So you came in to show your authority and try and tell the lads what you thought. And it was one of the best bollockings I've heard. It was we it was you 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 got it to a T. But then you you decided to kick a bin to try and show how angry you were. But the bin were nailed to the floor wasn't it <laughs> well, I, think, you I think yeah yeah I was a bit frustrated with losing a game that we were winning and we tossed it away in the end and so that frustrated me and I think initially I kicked a couple of pints of coke over into showers yeah I, I, a couple of pints of coke on floor so I booted them into showers in plastic cups and then you know I, I said some choice words again and then I saw my bag on the floor and I, I ran at my bag and tried to kick my bag and I missed it. I missed my bag. And I think it was, you know, like in those old school changing, because it was at Tunbridge Road, there were like stanchions to the floor. Yeah. I think I, I thought it was one of them that I booted. I, I missed my bag and kicked this stanchion and I knew straight away that I smashed my toe to pieces. <laughs> and, I, and I was, I broke my toe. I can remember saying, I broke my toe. And that lad's just looking down and, Laughing, and I finished. I left the dressing room, and there was all those marquees on the ground. Well, I limped yeah. around the marquees twice. I did two circuits around the marquees, trying to get. And I'm limping, broke my toe. Blood's coming through my trainers, and I'm, and I'm, and by the time I got back to the dressing room, all the lads had left. They got showered, and were back on the bus. And so I had to get showered, and I got back on bus, put my kit on, and as I got on bus, everybody's looking down, and I said, "I've, I've broke my toe." <laughs> brilliant oh, absolutely it's passion brilliant. isn't it Rich it's all passion we, that's only because we care isn't it they're, they're stories yeah. that we we'll, we'll, we'll never forget those stories Kev they're brilliant <laughs> do, you, do any of the boys get to see this side of you or not do you I've have had a couple I've had a, I've had a couple yeah there's been a couple I give a first team once in that year as head coach I give them a bit of a roast in one day uh, nothing too serious uh, but a couple of lads have had it individuals one at lads I won't mention any names because it's not fair but he put a hole in the wall once at Derby and busted bin first innings when he got out and then put a hole in the wall second innings and uh, I had a word with him in front of the team like told him it. not to do, not to t- told him not to do it again Stephen I love to see that passion still there I mean, we, no, miss we miss it, Kev. We miss those those Kevin yeah. Sharp bollockings. Yeah. Oh well, uh, perhaps when we play you next, I'll come in and just give lads one, even those who don't know me. Shall I do that? Yeah, I'd love it. I'd love you to. <laughs> <laughs> just come in, invite me in the dressing room. I'll give him a bollocking. Yeah, yeah. Good, to, be fair, to be fair, though, Gilly's got a few of them in him, so maybe you taught him more than you think. <laughs> <laughs> remember in remember in India with Gailey when I told him I get back on plane and go home when he yeah. was complaining about that net because it were a bit damp, a bit tacky early on. Said it were a crap yeah. wicket. I says, well, why don't you just go pack your bags and bugger off home and we'll get on with it. You, you know, you're out, you're out here in India. You're having a great time from practice and you're complaining about wicket. <laughs> you remember that? I do, yeah. I also remember when we were walking down the the seafront, weren't we, in, in Mumbai, and you, you you said to us, oh, look at that tree, look at all the aura coming off that tree. Gailey looked at you and went, what the <laughs> f*** are you on about? <laughs> well, he doesn't do the spiritual bit, does he? No. Not Andrew. He doesn't do the spiritual bit. 
Right, Kev, we're, we're moving on. Quick fire questions. Uh, we ask these to all our guests that are uh, that come on the pod. So, as the uh, title suggests, quick fire. So, give us uh, give us your answers to these as quick as you can. So, mm. earliest memory of cricket. Woodhouse Cricket Club. Cricket in hero. Garfield Sobers. Football hero Mick Jones, Leeds United centre forward, seventies. <laughs> first match you ever attended? First class. Uh, first that? cricket match. Yeah, first class test, whatever. Well, heading late, I can remember Richard Hutton, who, who was uh, an outstanding England and Yorkshire cricketer, asked me to throw some at him, and he signed me autograph book after I was about seven or eight. Best game you've ever played in or been a part of as a coach? Best game I've ever played in nineteen eighty seven Benson and Edges Cup final when we beat North Ants off the last ball. Jim Love blocked the last ball and we won it to, to win back because we'd lost one fewer wicket. And I never won a trophy as a coach before, so T20 finals day in 2018 yeah. for Worcester yeah. was awesome. Yeah. Which ground is at the top of your bucket list to watch cricket at? Cape Town. I've been there, but never watched cricket there. I'd love to go and have a few beers, sat on boundary and, well, not sat in a deck chair and fall asleep after a couple of pints. <laughs> okay, so uh, coming to Weddingley, Yorkshire, Lancashire, are you a Western Terrace man or a members area? Well, as you know, I've become very sophisticated in my own age now, Richard, so it, obviously with the members talking cricket. That's f***ing it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, somebody to bat for your life. Well, it has to be our Jeff, Mr Boycott. Yeah, thought you said our Joe. Uh, well, yeah, <laughs> but I'm going back in the day. Yeah. No, Jeffrey was hard to get out. Yeah, good. Uh, best player you've ever played with or against? Well, I always admired Richard Hadley, New Zealand all-rounder. He was a fine, and to bat against him, he always got me out. So, Richard Hadley. Yeah, nice bowler. Three people, living or dead, to have dinner with? The Dalai Lama. Love the spiritual side of things. Look at Pato, he's laughing at me. <laughs> eh? I'd love to go to the Himalayas and have a chat with that fella for an hour or two over a dinner. Don Revy, former League yeah. United manager. Absolutely. Pato's not happy again. They won't and, even know who he is, Pato. And more recently, I'd like to have a chat with Kumar Sangakara, who I think is an outstanding analyst. Yeah. I'd love to talk absolutely. to him about I'd love to talk to him about cricket. Yeah. No, brilliant. That's, uh, that's a good three, that Kev. Okay, so just to finish, pick your dream six aside cricket team from players you've played with or coached. David Burstow, David Gower, played with Gower in an England under-25 match against New Zealand. Outstanding yep. flair player. Graham Dilley was a good mate, played for England under-19s together. And uh, Joe Root, Anthony McGrath, because I love him, yep. and Moeen Ali, who That's is a good six. an outstanding man who's a, a legend here at Worcestershire. That is a very good six, Kev. Uh, and some names that we hadn't had in those questions before, so nice. Very good. good. Kev, um, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on. We, we, we speak a lot and it's great to have you on the podcast and, and for you to share some of your stories. Kev, it's been an absolute pleasure, mate. Always good to speak to you and good to catch up and uh, always look out for any pictures we have against Worcester because it's an opportunity to have a catch up. So hopefully see you soon, mate, and uh, you take care of yourself. It's been absolutely brilliant. I have thoroughly enjoyed this, lads. Thank you very much. And I look forward to hopefully seeing you in the summer. Cheers, oh, Kevin. Thank wait. you. Thanks, mate. You've been listening to the Covers Off podcast from the Yorkshire County Cricket Club with me, Steve Patterson, and Rich Pyra in association with AMT Auto. Find the latest deals at amtauto.co.uk and follow them on Twitter and Instagram at amtautouk. And remember to subscribe to our podcast. If you've missed any episodes, you can catch them up by downloading them on Spotify and iTunes.